How I Became a Spy, Chapter 5. Um, by the way, if you hear some funny sounds in the background, that would be Houdini the cat. Um, he is playing with a toy. So if you hear some sounds, that's what that is. Chapter 5. My mouth fell open. I shot up so fast. LR toppled onto the bedclothes. What in the world? What was this notebook anyway? I took a deep breath and kept reading. Today was our first lecture. We have a field instructor, a codemaster, and someone who seems to be the boss in charge of all operations. We'll start in the classroom, but later I'll learn about explosives and wireless radios. Our instructor explained that there will be two phases to our work, pre-invasion and post-invasion. When we are all sent into the field, into our assigned countries, we must help prepare for the day when soldiers will liberate the people from German occupation. He also explained that our organization is relatively new and was formed at the beginning of the war. It's called the SOE, the Special Operations Executive, and it's top secret. Sometimes SOE agents are called to the Baker Street are called the Baker Street Irregulars like the ragtag bunch of urchins Sherlock Holmes relied on to gather information. And, of course, our headquarters are there. Though you wouldn't know it from the sign on the building. He gave a sly smile. Secrecy is essential. I was supposed to hand over all writing materials. I honestly forgot I had this small notebook tucked away in my suitcase. So I'm already breaking the rules. But then, I always do. When my man died, I left home to strike out on my own. I haven't done what other girls do, and now I've done this. I know I must be careful. No one must ever find this notebook. Those words stopped me cold. No one must ever find this notebook. But I had found it. Who did it really belong to? I remembered what David had told me. To solve his cases, Sherlock Holmes had depended on the observation of trifles. I should use that same <clears throat> excuse me. I should use that same method now. I considered the notebook in my hand. It was battered and well used, but not damp or crushed. It couldn't have been lying in the street for more than a few minutes. Otherwise, it would have been run over by a vehicle or trod upon, or it would be soggy from the cold, wet fog. LR, my observations led me to the conclusion that the American girl dropped it. I told my furry Watson, who'd gone back to sleep and was snoring gently. But here's the important question. Is she the person who wrote in it? Hold on a minute, I snapped my fingers. Little Rue had run to Mill Street. Could my spaniel have picked up the scent of the young woman in the alley from this notebook? And if the notebook did belong to her, then why did the American girl have it? My head felt like it would burst with questions. Maybe I could find clues to the owner's identity in the notebook. I started reading again. But even though it may be wrong, I'm going to keep taking notes. Besides, I don't want to fail this training course, and I know I won't remember anything if I don't write some things down. I'll begin with the first three rules for being a secret agent. Number one, always try to blend in. Number two, don't carry any conspicuous items. Number three, be alert at all times.
Tomorrow we learn about surveillance, how to follow someone secretly, and what to do if we're being followed once we're living undercover in a country occupied by the Nazis. I'm excited, excited, and a bit frightened too, but I'm determined to see this through. By now, I couldn't stop reading. I could feel my pulse quicken as I turned one page and then the next. I scanned sections, amazed at what I found. Words kept jumping out at me. Nazi occupation, surveillance, cover story, sabotage, concealment, enemy forces, resistance, espionage, parachute? Parachute! So that must be how secret agents entered countries occupied by the Nazis. The thought of it made me shiver. I'd always wanted to ride in a plane, but I couldn't imagine jumping out of one. About halfway through the notebook, the next, the neat penmanship abruptly stopped. Instead, the pages were filled with cramped, hasty scribbles, almost as if the writer was scribbling in the dark or riding in a moving vehicle. I didn't stop to read, but kept turning the pages. Then I stared and frowned. Hold on a minute, what's this? I stumbled out of bed and went to the window. LR hopped down and followed me, tail wiggling, hopefully. Well, go in a minute, LR. Let me look at this, because I don't understand what I'm seeing here. I raised the blackout blinds to let in more light. That didn't help. There was page after page of writing. The writing wasn't in another language, like Latin, which I'd studied a little in school, though I hadn't done it very well. And it didn't use a different alphabet, like Chinese or Russian. It was the English alphabet, all right. But the letters weren't in any order that made sense. They weren't even arranged into words with spaces in between. A lot of this notebook was simply a series of random letters. Gibberish. Unreadable. This was some sort of secret writing system. This notebook couldn't be just some made-up story the American girl was writing for fun. I felt almost certain it belonged to an actual secret agent, someone in the resistance. Mr. Turner, our history teacher, spoke often of the resistance. He listened to the BBC radio news broadcast every night at nine and read the Times every morning. Whenever we walked into our classroom, we'd find him moving pins to track the Allied battle positions on a large wall map. The map also showed the countries the Nazis occupied, including France and Denmark. On October of 1943, the Nazis planned raids to round up all the Jews in Denmark, Mr. Turner had told us. Thanks to an early warning, ordinary Danes helped 7,000 of their Jewish neighbors escape to Sweden. And, of course, before the war began, people here in Great Britain played a part in helping 10,000 Jewish children escape the Nazis. As you know, we've welcomed a few Jewish refugees at this school. At that, I glanced over at David. He was staring down at his old wooden desk, tracing circles with his finger. David hadn't heard from his parents in more than two years. When we first became friends, I'd sometimes ask him if he'd gotten a letter. Then one day he said, don't ask me about the letters anymore, Bertie. Now, I slammed the red notebook shut. I looked around my room for a hiding place. Two narrow beds, a small bookcase, my bicycle in the corner. In the end, I slipped it under Will's mattress. I finished dressing and tiptoed across the kitchen floor. I knew Dad would want to sleep in after his late shift, 
I grabbed LR's lead. David attended morning services at his synagogue, but I had to talk to him for just a few minutes. David's foster father and mother ran a shoe shop at the edge of Berwick Street Market. The family lived on the second floor. So when the shop was closed, it was easier to top a, toss a pebble at David's window than knock on a door. I did that now, and David threw up the window and stuck his head out. Hey, Barty, what's up? Hi, um, well, I just wanted to ask you, how much do you know about ciphers? David grinned. <laughs> I know a little, mostly from reading Sherlock Holmes. He cracked a cipher in a story called The Adventure of the Dancing Men. He leaned his elbows on the sill and lowered his voice. Hey, so, uh, why do you want to know? Did you overhear something at, a tre at Trenchard House? Did you find a case we can work on? I shook my head. No, nothing like that, I hesitated. I didn't think it was a good idea to start talking about secret agents in the middle of the street. I'd just like to know more about them. David wasn't buying my sudden interest in ciphers. You can't fool me, Bertie. I bet you've stumbled on some unsolved case. A real mystery. Tomorrow I have to help in the shop, but I'll bring the story to school on Monday so you can borrow it. Wait till you read it. I waved goodbye and started toward home, thinking about my next steps. If the notebook was real, I should probably turn it over to the wardens at the command post. Or even to Dad. I should probably never look at it again. But that wasn't what I was about to do. Let's go have some breakfast, LR, I said. Then we'll try to find that mysterious American girl.